Welcome to Untold Valor, a podcast with a unique focus on veterans with stories of courage, recovery, perseverance, and strength. Listen as veterans share their perspective on what it's like to battle mental health challenges, combat addictions, and overcome other adversities unique to those who have served. This week on the podcast, Colonel Arthur L. Jenkins is joining us on the show. This podcast is brought to you by Voice and Vision, bringing help, hope, and healing to individuals, families, and communities affected by mental illness, addictions, and disabilities in southeastern Pennsylvania. Financial support for this podcast is provided by a Veterans Trust Fund grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. Welcome to Untold Valor, a podcast with a unique focus on veterans, featuring stories of courage, recovery, perseverance, and strength. Listen to hear veterans share their perspectives on what it's like to battle mental health challenges, combat addictions, and overcome other adversities unique to those who have served. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this episode of the podcast with Reverend Ben and myself here once again to talk with our very special guest, Colonel Arthur L. Jenkins Jr., who's visiting with us here on the podcast this week. And uh, he's already said we could call him Art, so we're going to call him Art to to kind of make it uh, relaxed and feel at home here. But I would read his bio, except that it's really, really big. Uh, so he has accomplished a lot in his military career. So I'm going to bring him in and just let him talk to us a little bit about himself. Uh, welcome, sir. How are you? Good, good afternoon. I am doing well, Mark. And, uh, you know, allow me to say just how uh, thrilled humbled and honored I am to be with you wonderful folks today. Very much so. Thank you. Absolutely. We appreciate you being here uh, with us to share your story. And of course, we're into January for this episode, the release of this episode. So, you know, new year, new focus, right? Trying to get our, you know, moving forward, all those good things, maybe putting in a plan of action versus just a what is that? The resolution, right? Which is kind of a, just a wish if you don't do anything with it. And so uh, we're going to talk about uh, lots of good things here today on the podcast with Art. But uh, Reverend Ben, welcome in as well. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling fantastic. Looking forward to an opportunity to uh, talk with Colonel Arthur Jenkins. Absolutely. So, uh, sir, take it away. Tell us a little bit about your background, your military uh, career, uh, the things that you've just gone through. Like I said, your bio was pretty, it's pretty darn impressive. Oh, yes. Well, thank you much. Thank you much. Uh, been blessed to have accomplished a few things and, uh, you know, happy to share uh, just a bit of it. So, yeah, you know what? I I enlisted after my freshman year at Temple University many moons ago. Um, <laughs> was only going to do a six-year Army Reserve commitment. Um, I was, uh, again, I was at Temple University. I was in the honors program. So, uh, as such, you're expected to maintain a certain grade point average. I was also in the dormitories as I ran on the track team that year. So uh, although I was born and raised in West Philadelphia, living in the dormitories for freshman year, that was essentially my first time away from home. And it was party city for me. So, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> I didn't quite um, live up to the uh academic standards that were expected of me as an honors student. And I recall at the end of that year, my mother, she was so very disappointed in me mm. and uh, didn't want to really disappoint mom like that. So uh, I told my mother, I said, well, you know, mom, I tell you that uh, that discipline that I once had that I seem to have uh, let escape from me, I'm, I'm going to get it back, mom. I'm going to do that by joining the Army Reserves. I'll, I'll do a six-year commitment, get that discipline back, and uh, 
embark upon the path that you are used to your oldest son doing. Okay. Well, so now, uh, close to 40 years later, here we are, <laughs> Mark, and uh, I'm still there, still yeah. there. Yeah, you've turned it into quite the career. So I was reading here, one of only 59 to graduate from an OCS class that originally began with 125 officer candidates. Um, Just one of many things here. Uh, Just, yeah, continue to enlighten us, please. Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, as I I tell many people, uh, as I approach the conclusion of that six-year initial Army Reserve tour, I really came into, I was really fortunate and blessed to come into some extraordinary mentors. I think mentorship, even to this day, is so so grossly underrated. Yes, sir. But I was fortunate. I was fortunate. I came into the company of some really enlightened and accomplished mentors who saw some leadership qualities in me, thought I was a smart enough fella, and said, you need to apply for officer candidate school. And of course, uh, even then I knew what a rigorous institution OCS is and was. So uh, I was a little resistant, but again, uh, that's the value of mentorship. Uh, you know, short of a stranglehold, they did convince me to uh, apply. And I, I was uh, accepted into the Pennsylvania State Officer, Officer Candidate School program. As you stated, Mark, uh, orientation weekend, we started with 100 25 officer candidate hopefuls, uh, but by the time the smoke cleared, 59 of us would actually uh, endure the rigorous scholastic and physical uh, challenges posed to one in officer candidate school. And uh, yeah, that's where my journey as an officer pretty much began. Hmm. Wow. And so, you know, through, and how, how often, how long did you serve your full career, sir? Sure. So, uh, total as of this uh, podcast with you i've got 39 years and eight months wow so most of those years are reserve years of course but i have spent the past oh i would say uh, roughly 16 years i've been mobilized to active duty uh, lots of things going on in the world sure and so yeah i have been mobilized and i have answered the call so the split uh, within those 39 years or about 25 years reserve duty and uh, 15 years uh, mobilized. Yeah, I see here it says in 2021, you were mobilized to function as the task force medical commander for Operation Allies. Um, and that's a humanitarian mission, a humanitarian mission responsible for the effective resettlement of over 50,000 Afghan allies. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, if, if I must take you to the top, uh, uh, one Friday evening, I was uh, in my family room watching a Hallmark movie when the phone rang. And uh, um, the colonel <laughs> who was on the phone, he uh, informed me that our brigade had picked up that mission for Operation Allies Welcome, and that essentially uh, I would be that fellow who would serve as task force medical commander of the 50,000 Afghans and their family members who were brought here, just under 13,000 were sent to Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. That was one of the designated safe havens, as they were called. Mm. Uh, those military installations where the Afghans were brought and would go through the paces to eventually be resettled uh, anywhere around the United States. So, uh, yeah, um, there wasn't much time to prepare for it. Um, 
I got the call and two weeks later, I was on my way to Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. So wow. uh, essentially, uh, it was a it was a massive humanitarian mission, but I must say it was one in which I learned uh, a whole lot about the hum- humanitarian mission cause. And I learned a lot about myself. Uh, when you bring a task force together, there are multiple entities. Uh, it was led at the time by the State Department. Ultimately, the Department of Homeland Security would take over the uh, mission as a whole. But you had Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, uh, FEMA was there, Centers for Disease Control, because we were still navigating through a pandemic. Uh, and many non-governmental organizations or NGOs uh, comprised the task force. So lots of fast moving parts, but um, it was pretty incredible. We ran a couple mass vaccination campaigns uh, for the Afghans and families. Uh, you know, we uh, we took care of them, and uh, there, there were different babies who were who were born, and uh, we kept it running as a smooth running machine from the medical side of the house, even as they went through the other uh, aspects of resettlement, effective resettlement. Gotcha. And uh, it was an, it was an incredible. It was pretty incredible that we were in. It was anticipated it would take us a year to resettle uh, the close to 13,000, but we were, we were really, I was blessed to have had a really skilled task force uh, working for me, and we were done in five months. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, one of the things we talk about on the podcast, obviously, is is just talking about the the trials and tribulations, and with a with a forty year career, basically. Obviously, you've seen you know lots of things and had I'm sure your fair share of struggles along the way, and or even with uh, you know people in your command or things of that nature. <clears throat> is that kind of been your experience as well as seeing you know young men come in and out and often like the transfer sometimes of you know, I guess, regular life, right, civilian life to the military, and also the transfer back out of that uh, tends to be a struggle for many as well. Oh, sure. You hit the nail right on the head. You really did, uh, particularly from the Army Reserve uh, side of the house. You know, they, there can be challenges that service members face even before they enlist or before they are called to active duty. So that makes it all the more challenging right there. And then serving, like even during Operation Allies Welcome, some of my task force members, yeah, like a, a couple of the you know, females who served, mm-hmm. they had left babies at home. I mean, little babies. So uh, that was a stressor on them for sure. And uh, just to fast forward to another point you made, uh, the transition from active duty back to civilian status can, mm-hmm. can really be challenging if there's no plan in place per se. And just uh, adjusting to the fast pace of active duty to any stones that were left unturned prior to act, uh, entering on active duty, all of that can culminate in uh, just uh, in different stressors for a service member. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that comes together as such. And you're absolutely right. I've seen a little bit of everything in my uh, lengthy Army Reserve career. Yeah, for sure. Reverend Ben, uh, come on in. Anything uh, as you're listening to this that strikes uh, you for some conversation points here? Obviously, uh, you know, your time in the service was a little different, but, uh, you know, certainly worthwhile. One thing we can say for sure about the military is is that the diverse experience that we have being exposed to different um, cultures, different training. And also uh, different contingencies as well. 
And uh, Colonel, I just want to commend you on your on your um, track record. I've I've served under a lot of of good leaders as well. I served as a corpsman with the Marines, and mm-hmm. so I can can relate to some of your story about the adjustments that we have to make pertaining to whatever whatever Uncle Sam calls us to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Reverend Ben. Yeah, absolutely, and I very much want to thank you for your service as well, Reverend Ben, and just for taking in the experiences that you have had and sharing them even today. I have no doubt that that makes a world of difference to those individuals that you mentor and uh, who come into contact with you. For sure. Indeed. You know, I was going to ask you about that, uh, Colonel. So mentorship, you you made a big point about that. Uh, You know, obviously you're still uh, working and doing things, but is that something that you see that we need more of? Is it something where you kind of feel like, we need to, to kind of do a better job um, with the transition and with that mentorships. Oh, without a doubt. I shared with you just how, uh, I don't know, shall we say goofy I was. Uh, <laughs> looking to get out of my first six years and uh, just having that hedge of support. Um, and some were officers, but some were non-commissioned officers, the, uh, the senior level sergeants and first sergeants and sergeants first class mm-hmm. who pulled me aside to give me, to provide me with a greater picture of what life looked like, not only at that time, but what it could look like if I went after some things mm. and great point. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and helping me to instill some courage in me, much like I was a little apprehensive about entering officer candidate school. Um, you, you know, when you're young like that, uh, looking at the world, through three dimensions can be rather daunting and even somewhat intimidating. So, yeah. oh yes, mentorship, woefully underrated. And even today, maybe especially today. Yeah. And I think, you know, finding resources, right. To sometimes, I mean, there's ton. we've talked about this a lot on the podcast with different guests. There's, there's not a shortage of resources. The shortage is, like the connect, like how to connect veterans who are struggling or veterans who just need some help in whatever regard it might be. I mean, doesn't you don't have to be at the you know at the the worst low of your life. You could just need some help in whatever it might be. But any of that range, it's just connecting to the resources, whether that is a the stigma of asking for help or if it's just not sure how to you know cut through the red tape. Whatever it might be. It's uh, there's definitely resources. We just got to do a better job of of highlighting them. Is that maybe fair? One hundred percent accurate. Uh, I look at my position here, and uh, I've not been in the position uh, very long, uh, about four months, uh, not quite four months, here as uh, the county director for the Department of Military and, uh, and Veterans Affairs for Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, just coming uh, coming into the position. To your point, uh, there are a great many individuals, organizations, entities that want to do good things for veterans, but it's two-pronged. As you say, I find myself, as I circulate around the county here, just putting out the good word, hey, the office is uh, alive and well, and uh, did you know? And Mm -hmm. then from there, uh, just a speaking something in the way of the health benefits that many veterans qualify for, or even financial benefits that, well, we don't know what we don't know. So just putting out the good word as to what's available. And uh, then secondly, if it's something that my office doesn't formally do, 
establishing effective points of connection, connectivity. It's like, okay, so uh, there's a behavioral health need here. So we will plug this individual in there and making that a nice direct connection as opposed to a 1-800 number that goes into outer space. Exactly. Yeah, that's fan. And, and really, Ben, that's what a lot of what you guys do with voice and vision and what, uh, you know, what the team does at Compure Core, right? It's really trying to get those point-to-point connections versus just that random here, call a, call a number that, you know, you may get a, a person disinterested or even a robotic answer. Absolutely. We like to um, connect people to resources, not just, um, like you said, just to throw it out there, but connect veterans to resources that can help them to change and not stay the same. Yes, yes, absolutely. Something that you both uh, hit on as well, in some cases, not all, but in some cases, the hesitancy of uh, veterans, men and women, to uh, talk about any needs that they might have. Right. That hesitancy could come from um, uh, from a from a variety of areas, um, just uh, when they serve, they served proudly. Uh, they were strong, powerful figures, and you know might not be conditioned to ask for help. And uh, there could be other underlying causes. But uh, what I found early on in this position within Delaware County, uh, just the great power in coming together and. Uh, sharing and talking from the perspective of veteran to veteran or at a, at a minimum, one compassionate individual to another. Uh, that, that reaps benefits as well, just as far as uh, uh, garnering an outpouring of expression. You know what, uh, you, you all are some good folks and uh, let me tell you what I'm going through. Let me tell you what I need. Yeah. So I found that early on in the position as well. Yeah, no, that's spot on for sure. And I and I get that it's harder for some folks than it is for others, right? Uh, and, and sometimes you need whatever the personal catalyst is. Uh, we had a guest on uh, prior to you um, in this in this month, Colonel, where he was like, he was he was done. He was ready to give up, right? And it took a couple of uh, specific things to happen to kind of show him a path forward. And and I know that that's the case for many veterans. So you you've got to find that you've got to find that peace in yourself. Hopefully there's still that nugget in there that makes you want to reach out and find some help. And then once you do getting someone to open those doors, I think you'll find is a lot easier than we first, we first feel it is right. At first we think this is so daunting. I'm never going to get through this, but if you can just get one to just get to one doorstep, uh, it's pretty amazing what'll happen from there. I think. Yes, yes, yes. Very much so. And uh, I think one consistent aspect of my lengthy career uh, culminating in the position that I'm functioning in now. So when I started in this position uh, in mid-August, I set out on a very deliberate listening tour. So mm, okay. uh, as, as I circulated about the county and even uh, so in my time, I've held four commands, two at the company level, one as a lieutenant colonel, and of course, a task force medical commander. I always enter every command, every position, if you will, as a listener, uh, my philosophy goes something along the lines of, okay, well, although the final decision will rest with me, I want to be informed by all of you. Mm, so yes. in the ideal world, what has been happening prior to my arrival and what, in your humble estimation, needs to happen? That's very empowering and uh, in, in two directions. Uh, it genuinely helps me because uh, – whatever 
organization I'm in uh, or the military side of the house, whatever command I'm in, uh, it's very informative because it helps me to see what I cannot see because I wasn't there. And then on the other side, uh, when I ask a private first class, what do you think? Uh, well, what have you seen? And what do you think needs to happen? Help me. That's very affirming and empowering to that private first class who's only been in for a couple years, maybe a few years, uh, just knowing that a full bird colonel values his or her opinion. So mm -hmm. we need, we really do. Within all of us is an innate need to feel significant, and that's because we are significant. And I'll seek guidance from my senior officers, my lieutenant colonels, majors, and captains, but you can best believe I've always sought good guidance from my privates and my specialists and my junior grade sergeants as well. So yeah. Very helpful and necessary. Yeah, well said. I, I know my uh, my my daughter would she right now she she's listening listening to this she'd be like I want to work for him because <laughs> she <laughs> she's she's had a couple of you know she's in the navy and she's got a she's got a, a chief that uh, that doesn't listen and then she has had chiefs that do right and she said it just makes a world of difference. Uh, those ones that, you know, take the time to listen to what they're going through as well. So uh, well, well said. Well, as we wrap this up, sir, any uh, you mentioned, you know, the new position you're in. Tell us a little bit more about that. I know you've touched on it a little bit. And then any resources or, or even just messages that you'd like to share with the, the podcast listeners out there as someone who's been uh, obviously active in, in helping and in, in doing this in the military for 40 years. Sure. Thank you much, Mark. So, yes, yes. So, again, uh, this is uh, the Delaware County Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. I'll send that to you. Mark, yeah, we'll put, our, yeah, send uh, us any uh, links. We'll put it in the resource uh, tab for the yes, episode. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. So uh, ostensibly, the position calls for the uh, uh, raising awareness and the securing of any health and financial benefits that veterans or their spouses might qualify for. Uh, we will determine that I have a very incredible competent and compassionate staff here. They will assess the paperwork that you bring in, like your DD-214, uh, any applications that need to be submitted. My staff is all on board for that. And again, if there's a need that the veteran and his or her family might need that we don't specifically do, like my office doesn't we don't conduct behavioral health services here, but we are plugged into individuals who do. Again, that's why I'm so very glad to be connected to Compeer uh, Core, for instance, too, as a as a viable connection to a veteran in need. Um, gotcha. We do that, and then uh, as far as a an enduring message that I would love to convey to everyone. So last month, of course, November, that was Veterans Day, and there were probably anywhere from five to 10,000 events, as it, well, well, it should have been, for veterans to come together and be celebrated and celebrate one another. In my very intense and deliberate listening tour, if you will, uh, veterans want to continue to come together and gather, not necessarily formally, but so I shared this story with you. I was talking to a veteran, and this is a story I've shared a couple times. The veteran, he uh, said, yeah, Colonel, uh, I know a little more about your bio. And I know that you were a runner and uh, I'd like to challenge you to a 50 meter dash. And I said, <laughs> really now? I said, OK, well, uh, if you don't mind me asking you, sir, uh, uh, how old are you? And he said, 
I'll be 70 in December, but I can take you down. (laughs) I said, okay, well, challenge accepted, but we'll just have to make sure there are no cameras around just in case the race doesn't know, uh, just in case I don't win that race. So, uh, you know, but right there, just the coming together, maybe to do light stretching exercises or to drink hot cocoa in the midst of other veterans, the continued coming together. I believe is an effective tool to mitigate, if not eliminate, feelings of despair, isolation, or even worse. So uh, look for this office to put out information about just different activities that we will be doing in conjunction with the different American Legion posts and Veterans of Foreign War posts. We will seek to augment their efforts to generate fellowship amongst veterans and their family members. I think that is a key to us being the best military affiliated community we can be. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Colonel Jenkins. We certainly appreciate your time. Reverend Ben, thank you for being here as always. Any uh, parting thoughts before we go? Yeah, I would just like to say, Colonel, thank you for coming on. And I I can already see that uh, we have some future endeavors coming up. Um, as we network to help the veteran. I think that we're going to be getting some work done in the county. Oh, yes, yes, Reverend Ben. And uh, all I can say is that makes me exceedingly excited because uh, who doesn't love supporting and helping a veteran? Uh, I think that's the one area that transcends race, political persuasions, religion, uh, you know, support for veterans. uh, That's always just an honorable thing to do. And why I think that ultimately, That's the key to bringing us all together, whatever our likes or dislikes are. Absolutely. Here, here. Well said. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the podcast. Again, we were delighted to have Colonel Arthur Jenkins here with us on this week's episode, this month's episode of Untold Valor, Veterans Recovery in Action. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platforming app you like to use and check out the resources that we'll have available in the show notes for this particular episode where you can catch some of the details that uh, Colonel was talking about. So thank you so much, everybody. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time here on Untold Valor. You've been listening to Untold Valor by Voice and Vision. We hope you found the information and resources discussed today helpful. As always, thank you for listening and for your support. Remember to stay connected with us through our various social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Don't forget to visit the website, voiceandvisioninc.org. That's voiceandvisioninc.org, where you can sign up for our blog and find free resources and information on upcoming events, webinars, workshops, and get support. You can also access our free help and hope guide for individuals and families struggling with substance use and addiction. If someone you know is struggling, please reach out for help because you and your life matter. Remember, the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available to you at any time by dialing 988. We are all ambassadors of hope and recovery. And if you want to share your story, please contact us. Compure Corps is also looking for veteran mentor volunteers and veteran participants. To find out more information about Compure Corps, please call 610-541-0790. That's 610-541-0790. You can find all the links and contact information for the resources mentioned on today's episode by checking the description and the show notes section of your app. Thank you again for tuning in and for your support. Until next time, this has been Untold Valor.